I'm Danielle. And I'm Christy. And you are listening to Snacks with Stein. Let's do it. Snacks with Stein. We are excited to be back with our regular episode lineup. Back to business here. All of the movie stuff is done and gone, and we're back at you. Danielle, how's it going? Yes, it's going well. Yeah. I got pumpkin spice this week. Sweet. So my life, so like my blood is coming back into my body it's like <laughs> I was it's like I'm a va- it's like I was a vampire in my coffin and haven't had like blood in a long time I just woke up and then I got my pumpkin spice and now I have the spice in my body again and I'm slowly coming back to life so these next two months are basically when I live my best life so COVID or not I live my best life in September and October well, I'm glad that you have your pumpkin spice because I have pulled out my fall candles. I'm going to slowly start decorating. Things have been a little crazy, like busy in the last few weeks. So I've just been kind of waiting for things to slow down a little bit so that I got the chance to decorate. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that I do, it's like, you know, I need to slow jam. Like I need to light some candles, like stay real slow decorating i need to enjoy Get romantic with it yeah me and this decorating <laughs> um thing are gonna have a, have, have a moment i'm i'm dipping my toe i've just started just yeah we have to start it's kind of tough for me because so last year with covid i was like balls to the wall end of august right i told my mom oh like, yeah this shit I'm putting it up right now. I'm Mental so health depressed. decorating. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, balls to the wall by September 1st. We were full on, right? Like the outside was pretty much done. Inside was done. We had to get some stuff for outside, but you know, that was more of a work in progress. But we had a lot up. And then this year it's difficult because are we having a party? Like a small party, or are we not? So we're like, well, if we're having a party, we have a theme, so we can't really go balls to the wall inside or outside until we settle that theme if we're doing it and then we leave for LA the second week of September so I'm like I want to get some shit up before I go and I want to go pumpkin shopping before I go but other than that I'm kind of like what am I gonna do so my room is decorated because no one's in my room except for me so I can decorate my room so all my stuff's out in my room but in the house, we're sort of like in limbo land. I bought some stuff that's kind of just scattered around, like I have pillows out and my candles mm-hmm. and some other things. But without knowing if the party's happening or not and what the theme is, we're kind of in limbo land. Oh. So I'm like, I need my decorations. I'm so down. frustrated. I wish we would just like pick a lane and go, and like and go in. Yeah, it. like it's mm-hmm. the it's the constant change that's hard for me. Yeah. Um, and the uncertainty because mm-hmm. we like control over things and we don't yeah. have control. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we're kind of in the same boat, kind of not really. We don't have any kind of huge plans. When you have kids in school right now, it's a little bit hairy 
Yeah. Because there's so much kids need structure and they need a they mm-hmm. need a clear message from people in charge. And they don't have that totally. right now. And that's really confusing for them. I think if other parents are like me, I'm just so fatigued that I don't even want to have a conversation about anything <laughs> like anymore. Yeah. And I'm just kind of going with it and hoping everything works out because I've already gotten a couple of different notices about COVID exposure in this oh, grade Lord. and that grade. Like, and then oh. all my other friends in other states, they're all getting the same kind of notices. So it's like, how how long until everything just yeah. comes to a halt as far as school is concerned? I know. Yeah. So the Halloween thing and the fall thing, once again, we're going to have to lean on mighty hard for mm-hmm. some good mental health. But we have more hope than we did last year. Yeah. So. You know, this is my only PSA about people leaning on Halloween is that now the scalpers and the resellers on eBay have come for my holiday. And I'm very upset. So if any of our listeners are people who scalp shit and put it on eBay, stop listening to this podcast because you suck can't even buy freaking anything anymore. Yeah. Alone. Yeah. <laughs> this is me and Danielle in a fight. So it's Danielle it. talking trash and me jumping behind her going, yeah. Going, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> well, so this is a transitional show then because this is going to be our send off to summer. So why don't you tell yeah. me what you're going to have for snacks? <laughs> And then I will tell you all about our final summer book here. I'm having a Bizarro snack. I'm having, well, I'm not having it yet. I have, I have bubble water, a, an iced coffee for the future, me, and, and then I have biscuits. Explain <laughs> bubble water. I'm old. Like, you know, like, uh, like carbonated water, like Perrier. Like oh, so just just like it's just fizzy. Yeah, it's like sparkling. Okay, sparkling water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys. Gotcha. I call it bubble so, water. Some people call it sparkling water. Some people call it the brand. That I thought they call this was it. something that could be like too hip or um, expensive no. for me to enjoy. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. No, just Perrier. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll have your Perrier. This sounds very fancy. <laughs> because for today, remember I was I said I thought I had lights out. Yes. I had lights out. We're doing lights out tonight. It is <gasps> the Camp Nightwing Fear Street book. It is a camp slasher I just love for it. you. Um our send-off for summer so that we can make a nice, easy transition into fall. I love it. I love it. I love it. Let's do this. Okay. I chose this book because Danielle told me that during the movie Minnesota, where we covered the (laughs) Netflix Fear Street movies, that Lights Out was the book that they had pulled Camp Nightwing from. And I know how much she loves a camp slasher, so here we go. Probably has one of the most amazing covers I've seen. Mm. This, this wins the cover contest for me thus far. It's like uh, you can from you can all Google of them. It if you need to see, it. yes, I love it. 
and we're we have like it a right beautiful now. nighttime backdrop of like a mountain landscape. There's tall pine trees and like a lake in the back and there's this big gorgeous full moon. There's a pretty redhead that's running for her life in the foreground and it's it's just really well done. It's almost frameable. Like it's very very pretty. Did you find it? Ooh. Yes, I did. There's some cool ones. I'm Isn't seeing like cool? other like versions of it. There's one with a spider on it. Oh no! So no, I'm talking about the one with like yeah, her running so... and the moon in the back. No, I see that. I see that one too. I'm just looking at other ones, and apparently, I guess there is an addition, the German version, which is called. What's it? I can't even say it. I don't know, but it has a big ugly spider on it. That's the that's the German one. Ooh. Cool. The copyright on my yeah. one on my book is Parachute Press and it's 1991. So this is one of the earlier ones. I think it's number 12. The tagline reads <laughs> quote, it all happens in the dark. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. That can mean so many things. That sounds very sexy. Um, especially with like the dot dot dot. I didn't add the dot dot dot. Yeah. That's part of the quote. It all happens oh. in the dark. Dot dot dot. Dot dot dot. <laughs> so this one starts with a one paragraph chapter. And this is the thing that he does sometimes where every now and again we get like um, a snippet from the killer's perspective. So he does it in this book in the form of someone's writing a letter from camp. The, mm. It opens with this one paragraph chapter. The letter is to someone named Chief. It says that, you know, the person who's writing the letter is already at Camp Nightwing and that the other counselors are there too. And that as soon as the kids get mm. to camp, the person writing this letter is going to make them all pay, just like they promised they would. And the letter is simply signed, me. Me? Yeah, me. I'm going <laughs> to just start signing things with me. Me. I'm going to sign all my work documents. Thank you. Me. Me. <laughs> Thank you for your time. Me. Me. So, and then we get to the actual story. So we just had that little letter there. Okay. Holly is a camp counselor. But she's also Danielle. She hates outside. She hates bugs, oh. <laughs> spiders, and unknown critters. And she's too tenderhearted to try and kill any of those things, right? So Correct. immediately I was like, it's Danielle. <laughs> but when her uncle Bill called to her house on Fear Street, she was convinced to put those very critical reasons why she should not be a camp counselor aside and go over the summer to right. Camp Nightwing as a counselor just to help him out. She was a pretty good swimmer and a sailor and she was good at crafts, so at least there's that. She has some things to offer. Uncle Bill is not a very good businessman. He is that person that you know in your family that always has like some idea brewing for like a new business. He's he's failed at a number of things. 
but he had owned Camp Nightwing for the past three years. And things were starting to go downhill. Camp Nightwing was just bad luck. One year, it was a fire that was started by lightning out in the woods somewhere. And then the next year, there was a measles outbreak. And then the past year, the year before, um, a kid died in a boating accident. But she loved her uncle, right? She wants to help him. She has just been through a pretty bad breakup with her boyfriend, George. And she didn't want to be like accidentally running into him all summer at the mall or at Pete's Pizza. It seriously says Pete's Pizza. So is this the just, only restaurant in town? It kind of is. It's just like the place where they all hang out. Because it's mentioned all so many times. Time. It's like not, It's like the peach pit was to 902. Yes, they the didn't eat pit. anywhere else. Yep. They didn't eat anywhere else in that damn town. <laughs> That's right. That's 100%. That's what it is. So she doesn't want to be like running into him. So she's like, you know what? Screw it. She packs up a bunch of her crap. She's like, let's go to camp. And when she gets there, she is immediately, like, accosted by this spider that crawls across her pillow while she's unpacking. And she starts to rethink this decision, right? (laughs) I instantly regret this decision. But it's not all dark for Summer because Holly's best friend, and I believe this is Thea. Is that how you say that? T-H-E-A? Thea? Usually it's Tia. Is that Tia? Like, um... Well, I feel dumb. I thought it was Tia. Like, there was, like, there was that actress, or Taya. Like, Taya or Tia. Not, you don't pronounce the H. You don't, the, it's not the, uh, it's Taya. Yeah. There was that actress. I think she's still married to David Duchovny. And it was Taya. Taya Leone. That was her name. And it was spelled like that. And I just think you don't pronounce the H. So it's like Taya. So I'm dumb because I was saying it wrong the whole time. But that's Holly's best friend. Taya is Holly's best friend. She's there too. And she's also just arrived. And of course, she and Holly are like physical opposites, right? That's how this always happens. Like Taya is kind of built for outdoor adventure. She's got short, dark hair and like kind of a muscular build and a tan. Holly is more long and lanky. She's generally pale-skinned with some light blonde hair. Taya's trying to cheer up Holly about being outside and in the sun all summer. And she reminds her that, you know, hey, there's a lot of cute guys that are here for summer counselor jobs, too. Like, specifically, John, and I believe this is a hardesty who Taya had a big thing with last year at camp, so she can't wait to introduce him to Holly. She mentions that if Holly is interested, the archery guy is pretty cute, but Holly kind of stops her and she's like, no, 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 after my breakup with George, I'm really not interested, like at all. Last thing on my mind, don't really, I'm good. Mm. But before Taya can argue with her, they hear someone calling for help outside the cabin. Holly is surprised that it's her Uncle Bill's voice, and the girls run into the rec room, where all the yelling is coming from, to find Uncle Bill under a pile of sports equipment with a cabinet on top of him. Uncle Bill says that he was just putting some things away and the cabinet came away from the wall and it fell onto him. They get the cabinet off him, they help him up. He seems okay, I guess. Like, he's, 
he, there's like a cabinet full of stuff. And he was trying to put some things into it. And I guess like when he was closing the cabinet, the cabinet just straight up fell over on top of him. Like it's like a huge metal cabinet thing. And he said, oh, I've got this bruise on my leg, but outside of that, I'm okay. But it was very confusing for him because he had actually bolted this cabinet to the wall to prevent this kind of accident, right? It's not uncommon if you have kids in an area that's usually like a safety code. You have to bolt things to the wall so they don't pull stuff down on top of them. Okay. But when they go to inspect like where the bolts were, they are, the bolts have been loosened and taken out completely on one side. Which is really strange. Mm. He's like, I've never done that. It's weird that this would happen. But I guess whatever. That is really weird. Yeah, so they're trying to call, like, they're trying to figure it out. Uncle Bill slips and he calls her princess in front of Taya. And she kind of has to remind him, you know, she, he promised not to tell anybody that she was his niece. She doesn't want people giving her a hard time about it. He's supposed to pretend that, like, they're not related. They start to clean up and Holly notices that in the cabinet, in the hole where the bolts came loose, there's this little red feather sticking in the hole. And the girls are like, huh, that's weird. But you know, it's camp. There's, there's craft supplies everywhere. You can't go four feet without stepping on a bead or some bullshit. So it's not that weird that there would be a feather hanging out somewhere. <laughs> they keep cleaning up the spill and Taya is asking Holly about how she should handle things with John. You know, if she should tell him that she missed him or if she should just like play it cool, right? And they decide that Taya should totally play it cool, right? But, you know, be nice. But it's pretty clear that she really likes John and she is worried that like he could choose somebody else for a summer hookup. And Taya puts out the name of, you know, somebody like Jerry Marcus. And it's Jerry is a girl's name. It's G-E-R-I. So when Holly hears like this name, Jerry she kind of flips out. Girl. Exactly. Exactly right. <laughs> she knows Jerry. She hopes it's not the same Jerry that she knows. But right then, Jerry walks up. And Jerry is perfect. Okay. Short strawberry blonde hair and that kind of like disgusting peaches and cream complexion that is like very rarely <laughs> seen in real life. Jerry has all those genetics all lined up perfectly, right? So she kind of confidently walks mm -hmm. into the rec room and Taya tries to introduce Holly to Jerry, but Jerry just brushes her aside and she's like, I already know her. And she gets some books from the rec room and she leaves without another word. And Holly tells her mm. That there's like this whole dramatic backstory, right, between Jerry and Holly. Jerry and Holly used to be good friends when they lived in the same town. They lived in Waynesbridge, which is like mm. the town next to Shadyside. So they, they both lived in Waynesbridge. They were really, really good friends, although they were a little bit competitive. They were both on the swim team. And then like their sophomore year, Jerry falls madly in love with this guy named Brad, right? And Brad is, I don't know, four years older than her and like done graduated. So her parents are like, hey, this guy's too old for you. It's really, you're not going to be allowed to date him. 
So naturally, Jerry dates this guy behind her parents' back and suggests that Holly be the one to cover for her. So if she goes out on a date with Brad, Mm. her parents call Holly and Holly is supposed to lie for her so that she can be with her true love, Brad. (laughs) But Holly is a shitty liar. And I, and I feel you, Holly. I am also a shitty liar. It's why I don't do it, because I don't have the mental capacity and the gymnastics it takes to remember lies. So I just, I just don't. I don't have the time. <laughs> but Holly is true. She's a bad, bad liar. So one night when her parents, at like 11 o'clock at night, they called Holly and was like, hey, can we talk to Jerry? She was like, well, she's not here. And they're like, well, why isn't she there? She should be there. She was supposed to, but like at this point, she's busted. 100%, mm. 1000% busted. So Jerry blames Holly for having to break up with Brad. And she says that Jerry did it, or excuse me, that Holly did it on purpose because she was jealous of the relationship that she's having with uh. older bad boy Brad. And she basically calls her the next morning and is like, <laughs> I never want to fucking see you again. And shortly after that, mm. Holly's family moves to Shadyside, to Fear Street. So they haven't seen each other until right now at camp. Oof. Right? Awkward. They're going to get in a fist fight. Of all the camps in all the world. <laughs> you had to walk into mine. Right. And it seems that, of course, Jerry has still not forgiven her. Taya and Holly head out to look around and also, you know, scope out the bullies that they'll be working with all summer. They walk out into a typical camp scene. It's just like the 1978 movie, but with 90s clothes, right? Taya's going to introduce Holly to some of the other camp counselors. And she doesn't get to meet this boy named Kit because he's like way, way up in a tree above them. He has just decided to climb a tree. Kit's the crazy one. He's a weirdo. She meets her senior counselor. So she, this girl is going to be her boss in the cabin. And her name is Deborah. Deborah is like little miss perfect put together kind of a person, right? Mm. She wants everything to be perfect at all times. And she straight up tells Holly that as long as she can do whatever she tells her, they'll be fine. They'll get along fine. Deborah is also wearing a jade pendant necklace in the shape of an owl. It's a weird, distinctive detail, so I'm sure it'll come back into play at some point. Sitting at the picnic table near Jerry, who is now reading a book and pretending that Holly doesn't exist, is Mick. Okay. Let's talk about Mick for a minute. Okay. Stein says that Mick looks exactly like the actor Kevin Bacon. Oh. Intriguing. Careful, Stein. I mean, I know that Friday the 13th is like the big iconic camp slasher, but I thought this was a little on the nose. It's very on the nose. (laughs) But Mick is always riding home. 
Right? He's constantly writing letters. Okay. He says that his mother really misses him when he's gone and he has to write her like a ton of letters at the beginning of the summer all at once and then he just sends one a week after that so he doesn't have to deal with it. Mick is of course flirty with Holly because you know he's the one that looks like Kevin Bacon so of course he's gonna be her love interest. Saying that you know he'll go ahead and write to his mother that the two of them have become very close friends. Like very close. Close friends. Like insert your waggly eyebrows here. Close friends. <laughs> kind of thing. Right? And the feeling is mutual. I mean, after all, Kevin Bacon, am I right? Um well young Kevin Bacon. You know, she's feeling a little flustered. Holly heads off to her cabin to finish unpacking things before perfect Deborah can see her bunk is a mess. And day turns into night while she's getting everything set. And she has this freak out over a bat. Really? A bat? Yeah, it's another bat thing. There's a bat in the cabin. The bat lives there. It was there before you. But she flips out. Yeah. The whole, there's like a whole battle scene where she's like combating a bat with a canoe paddle. And she ends up running out oh, of the Lord. cabin right into Jerry, who seems amused that Holly is terrified. And then Deborah shows up and calmly shoes the bat out of the cabin, right? Because Deborah's a boss bitch in charge and she's been at camp for many years. And they all head off to Campfire, which is spelled with a capital C and a capital F. So I'm guessing this is a nightly thing. Campfire. Ah. Holly goes to sit by Taya and get a hot dog. And Mick comes and sits right in between the two girls. And he is grinning hard at Holly. He suggests that they, um, you know, they could tell scary stories like in the horror movies he loved so much. Danielle, can you add, can you guess what our Kevin Bacon wannabe's favorite horror film is? <laughs> That's just really funny if it was Friday the 13th, but it is. I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's, it no, it's is. not. That's yes, hilarious. it is. That's so we are we are hilarious. leaning in here. I, I think he did this <laughs> right at the beginning, just to be like, mm-hmm. okay, can we like let's address this and move on, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, because he straight out comes with it. He says that um, he sh- Mick is shocked to learn that Holly's not seen the Friday the Thirteenth movies. But that, you know, she says she doesn't like horror movies in general. And he's like, okay, cool. I got to go get more potato salad. And he runs off. (laughs) Uncle Bill comes up and he starts making the beginning of camp announcements. It's exactly like that. He's like, okay, I got to go get potato salad. (laughs) (laughs) Parts of this book are very salad Of all foods. Well, you got to get it in the five minutes it takes for it to spoil. So... True, true. Maybe that's what's going on. I don't know. Parts of this book are really comical. It was really hard for me not to um, think about what Hot American Summer. If you have not seen Wet Hot American Summer. Okay, I was going to say Danielle. It'll like. Shame on you. No, it was a delay. I'm so sorry. No, I have seen that movie so many times. I can quote it. And I was obsessed with like the re the the added series on Netflix that was also great. 
Did you ever watch the movie with the uh, optional fart track on the DVD? No. <laughs> it's I did not. hilarious. I, that's usually <laughs> not my brand of humor, but it's pretty funny. Yeah. That movie is so yeah. Yeah. That was that was a white hot American summer moment that they just had where he's like, I've got to go get my potato salad. (laughs) And he like runs off. (laughs) Yes, definitely. So Uncle Bill comes up and he starts making the beginning of camp announcements. He's interrupted by Kit, who tries to scare the hell out of everyone by emerging out of the bushes wearing a hockey mask and carrying a hatchet. Bill warns oh. everybody about Kit and his pranks, and Taya tells Holly that he took some of those jokes a little bit too far last year, and he almost got thrown out of camp. In fact, she's kind of surprised to see that Uncle Bill let him back to camp this year. But we also learn that Kit is madly in love with Jerry. But that she doesn't really give him the time of day. He basically just kind of follows her around everywhere like a weirdo. Um, And we also get a quick look at John, who Taya was freaking out about. Um, But he does not seem to be interested in Taya this year. He's like not making eye contact with her almost at all. Like it's it's a little bit awkward. Mm -hmm. And then there is some other blonde rich kid who shows up who Taya says, quote, doesn't have much to say. He's kind of quiet. I think his name is Sandy. A guy's name is Sandy? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I've heard that before. I have too. I was just clarifying. I was like, wait. <laughs> yep. No, Sandy is the blonde, like, rich kid. There. Right. Mm-hmm. They know he's a rich kid because he wears Porsche sunglasses that are like $200. I've never heard of Porsche sunglasses, but maybe that was a thing in 1991. <laughs> I don't know. Me either. Is that like having like Ray Bans? Like that was cool. Yeah, for I think so. Like- <laughs> well, and then we're coming out of the high materialism of the late 80s. So like, right, right. In my Everything mind, this guy's got branded, like a tracksuit yeah. and like a pop collar. Like, yeah, yeah. So Uncle Bill lays down his three main rules for camp. Okay, there's a lot of rules, but these are the three most important ones. Number one, you guessed it, lights out is not optional. It is a hard deadline. Lights out for campers at 9 o'clock. Lights out for counselors at 1030. No exceptions. Number two, recycle. Because Uncle Bill's crunchy like that. He wants you to throw your shit in the right bin. Number three, the most important of the rules. Do not date the campers. There are some older date campers the campers? Here. Oh. There are some older campers here, 15, 16, that are not quite counselors yet. Do not date the campers, not at all. Anyone found to be consorting with the campers will immediately be thrown out of camp. So, yeah. Older kids at this camp as well. Because you got to think, like, these kids are probably 17 and 18 as counselors. So they could perceivably go to high school and be dating someone who was at camp as a camper. Right? So weird. 
Yeah, but it's, I mean, it actually makes a lot of sense. Like, think about it. Did you have friends that had, like, junior or senior boyfriends when you were freshmen? Yeah, that's true. I mean, not very many. We weren't cool, but I did know people. No comment. <clears throat> um, <laughs> so, Campfire You were cool. I am not cool. You I just had boobs really, really early. Um, so I had boyfriends really talk about this, that you were, you were a hoe because what were we talking about last time? Oh, that dream. I I came here, I came waltzing into school in my cheerleading uniform and my C cup wearing gap dream. And and what can I say? Sometimes you get a older boyfriend. It happens. Anyways. Um. (laughs) No, it wasn't gap dream. It wasn't gap dream. It was the other one. Love Spell. Love Spell made me a hoe. I'm like, what other things made me a hoe? Yes. Do we need to make a list? Like, we can <laughs> yes. do a spreadsheet. I still have Love Spell. Give it a shot. It's a good one. They still make it. You still? They still make it? Yeah, they still make Love Spell. At Victoria's Secret. They did, like, two years ago when I was in the mall. That's crazy. I thought they didn't have it anymore. I swear to God, Google it. Pull up Victoria's okay, Secret well, right now. Okay, continue. Okay, I'm going to continue while you do that. So campfire's over, and Taya talks to John, finally. It's awkward. He mostly ignores her, and then Mick asks Holly if he wants to, you know, walk her back to her cabin. And she's like, no thanks. Already walking back with Taya. But Mick flirts with her a little more, and Holly catches Jerry giving her a death stare from, like, just a few feet away. Jerry does not like Holly talking to Mick. Also, you're right. Love Spell does still exist. You can buy it in multiple forms. They even have a limited edition one called Love Spell Untamed. (laughs) Oh, my. Get on that. That's what I'm sending you for Christmas. You're welcome. (laughs) So, like, if you wear Love Spell, you're going to put out. But if you wear Love Spell Untamed, like, you'd probably give up a blowjob. Yeah. You're going to go a lot of bases. You're going to go go around the bases. Can't be tamed. Fuck bases. We don't run baselines. Anyways, this is a weird tangent we went on. So we're going to be saved by our weirdness by another letter from our mysterious camp counselor to the chief. And it just says that they took the bolts from the cabinet to make it fall, but that it didn't fall all the way like it was supposed to. Uncle Bill didn't die. But not to worry, camp is just starting and there's lots of accidents that can happen this summer. That's all they say. I feel like we're being pushed toward Mick here because so far he's the only one that we've seen writing letters, um, which makes me want to eliminate him totally as a suspect. Because mm. it's never who they push you at. That's so soon. I know. True, true. The next morning was the first day that all the campers were supposed to arrive, and Holly wakes up feeling, like, refreshed, right? She's, all of a sudden, she's charmed by her surroundings, and she's kind of surprised by it. 
The air is like crisp and sweet. And she decides she's going to take this opportunity before everyone wakes up to go for a morning swim in the lake. She puts on her new swimsuit. She heads off down the path to Feather Lake. She runs into Sandy, who is the rich blonde guy from the night before. He's out for a run. He goes for a run every morning. He reminds her, you know, only swim in the roped off area of the lake because the lake does get pretty deep in places. And there's also like leeches in some places that are outside that roped off yeah. area. Super gross. Leeches are like one thing that really just bothers me. I don't like them. Like, Pass. I usually I can't, am not like, squirmish about critters, but leeches, nope. Yeah. I don't like bugs, but I can live, like, unless it's a spider, I can live with most bugs I don't like. But for some reason, I think it's watching Stand By Me too young in my life. And when they have, when they come out of the lake and they're all like, woohoo, and then there's leeches everywhere, I'm like, fuck that. I'm out. Goodbye. And I just have that, like, ingrained in my brain. They're on the same level as ticks for me. Oh, yeah, I hate ticks, too. I, I, hate I don't ticks. play with ticks. I, I don't play fleas. with leeches. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. pretty gross. No. So nope. she's like, hey, buddy, thanks for the tip. Appreciate it. And he goes off for his run. And, but she only takes a few more steps down the path before running into Mick. Mick says he likes to cut through the woods because it's, you know, more interesting. And he's also trying real mm-hmm. hard to put off, like, a danger vibe to impress her. He says that Um, he'll walk with her because he wants to go down and, like, check on the boats. You know, they have three rowboats and three canoes, and that's part of his responsibilities is to tend to these boats. He wants to go see what they look like. But when they get to the dock, they see that all the canoes are sunk. Like, the, the lake water is so clear that they can see the canoes several feet below them in the water. Someone has punched a hole in them with some kind of a chisel and then sunk them to the bottom of the lake. So Mick and Holly jump in the water and they work at like dragging these canoes from the bottom. They get the canoes up on the up on the beach. They're trying to figure out what happened when Holly notices a little red feather in the hole of one of the canoes. Just like the one she found in the Another cabin. Another feather. Yes, the plot thickens. Feathers everywhere. She can't think about it too long, though, because the campers are starting to arrive. Deborah is pissed because Holly is now late to greet the campers. And she tells her to find the girls in their cabin and get them settled in. There are six girls in the cabin that Holly is the junior counselor of. And she starts getting everyone settled in and everything's going really well when one of the girls climbs up to the top bunk of the bunk bed, only to have the bed come loose and fall two feet onto the bottom bunk. It like collapsed. And thankfully no one was on the bottom bunk, but all the girls are kind of startled and scared by it and they start crying because they're upset and children. Um, And this was a weird thing that just happened. So naturally, that's when Deborah decides to come into the cabin and she looks around and sees six crying girls and is like, what did you do to make these <laughs> girls cry all at once? And Holly tries to explain it, but Deborah is not hearing it. She does. She gives no fucks. She basically thinks like Deborah's a moron. She has no idea what she's doing. She's only going to drag her down this summer. 
But Holly does notice that there is a little red feather on the top bunk bed that just fell. And she's starting to put all the things together, right? Someone is sabotaging the camp. Something is up. Something is up. There's red feathers everywhere. Shit's (laughs) falling apart. Let's tell Uncle Bill. So we go to tell Uncle Bill. But you know what? Uncle Bill doesn't listen to Holly. I don't know if he figures she's got her period or what. But he (laughs) doesn't care about what she's saying. He's way too busy to even listen to her for a few minutes. He basically kicks her out of his office. And she walks outside on the path to the mess hall. She runs into Deborah on the way. Deborah is still kind of pissed off. Um, and she's being kind of a big bitch about the accidents and the bunk beds thing. And Holly's like, okay, we just we just got off on the wrong foot. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to set some things straight, right? So she goes up to Deborah. She's like, hey, I'm really sorry about how I handled that thing with the bunk beds. I should have probably be, like acted a little bit quicker. Um, you know, I'm going to try harder from now on. And all Deborah says is, let's hope so. This pisses Holly off Mm. because it should. It was a shitty thing to say. Holly goes on to tell Deborah that in the future, if she has any kind of problem with her, that she needs to tell her in private. That she doesn't need to yell at her in front of the campers. That she doesn't enjoy that. She'll have better results from her if she takes her aside to give her feedback. And Deborah says, so you're saying whenever there's an emergency... I should just be nice to you to spare your feelings. Well, I'm not going to do that. You need to get your shit together. And she like storms off to the mess hall. Okay. (laughs) All these people are weirdo. Super weirdo. One of those weirdo books again. Everyone's like slightly just off. (laughs) Well, it's very high drama. And like I get that they're teenagers at camp. But even for teenagers, this is a little much. Um, it feels because, yeah, it's like very drama. So Deborah even throws over her shoulder at Holly that she's not going to give her any special treatment just because she's actually Bill's niece. So she figures that Jerry must have told her because they used to be friends, so she would know that Bill is actually her uncle. Because remember, it was supposed to be a big okay. secret. So if Jerry has told Deborah, mm-hmm. Jerry has probably told everyone. So she goes into the mess hall, goes to get her tray. Taya meets her in the line, and she's like, hey, you look really upset. But, you know, I think I know what's going on with Deborah. Meet me by the lake after the campers are asleep. I'm going to tell you something that I heard. Holly agrees, and she goes to sit down with her um, cabin with all her campers and Deborah, who is, you know, not making eye contact and generally being a bitch. But here's, it's kind of cute because Holly actually does like the little campers. Like, she thinks they're really cute. They keep going on and on about this dodgeball game they had. And so far, these campers are like a bright spot there for Holly. So she Mm. starts to relax a little bit. She's eating. She's feeling a little bit better. When Kit stumbles into the mess hall, struggling with a snake around his neck. And he struggles right up to their table, and he pulls the snake off of his neck and throws it onto their table. And Holly hates snakes. 
So she like freezes for a minute and all the girls are crying again because they're afraid. And then everybody starts laughing because once the snake is off him and on the table, it's clear that it's a rubber snake. And it's Um. Holly is still kind of stunned by what's just happened. And all the girls at the table are crying and Deborah snaps at her like, what are you doing? Help your campers. They are freaked out. Start calming them down. And she even says something like, you're worse than useless. Oh. I know. She's Dang. so mean. So Holly just so kind of mean. says that she's like, okay, I'm sorry. And then she like starts comforting like the campers closest to her. What a bitch. So that night... Holly waits until Deborah falls asleep and she sneaks out of the cabin to go down to the lake. And it's beautiful. It's a big moon. It's kind of exciting to be creeping down the path to the lake at night. Taya meets her on the path and tells her that she found out that Jerry and Deborah are really close friends. So, yeah, that's why Deborah is being such a huge bitch. She also uh-huh. says that Jerry kind of had a thing going with Mick the year before. So that's probably exacerbating the issue. If Jerry didn't already hate Holly, it's clear that Mick's into Holly. So now it's like, if we didn't have a vendetta before, we sure have one now. Vendetta, vendetta. So Holly tells Taya her, her theory about that someone is sabotaging the camp and about the, all the red feathers that she's found. And Taya suggests that Holly just go home. Like, I mean, if things suck that bad, why doesn't Holly just go ahead and leave? And she's like, well, I can't. I'm supposed to help my uncle. Like, he's, he's a nice guy. He's always been nice to me, but he's just, he's had bad luck with business. I don't want to abandon him. I got to kind of stick this out. Holly wants to head back to the cabin, but Taya is going to stick around because she's asked John to meet her there. But it doesn't seem like he's going to show. It's awkward. Hmm. Holly heads back on the path alone. And she gets pretty far down when she starts freaking herself out, naturally, like you do. You're out there with no flashlight. All the kind of night sounds of the woods are louder and more amplified you know the crunch of her yeah the pine needle seems loud there's a howl in the distance you know could be a coyote we don't know and she hears footsteps on the path behind her and they seem to be getting closer and closer and she starts to run but wait a minute do they seem closer she listens again and she realizes, oh my, she's caught two of the older campers, like just sneaking around in the woods, right? So she busts them and mm-hmm. they say, you know, oh, we're in camper cabin number 11. And she's like, yeah, I'll walk you just to make sure they actually go back there. And as she's going, she bumps into Mick, who's holding a flashlight and walking through the wood. Everybody goes to the woods at night. I don't know. You can literally walk in the woods and meet 10 people. Why? Why? I, it's, it's what everyone's doing. You don't want to go there. He says he's been looking specifically for her. He really likes her and he uh, wanted her to go for a walk with him in the woods at night. And she's like, hey, no, I don't know 
you, it's been a long day. Um, I'm gonna go see these campers on back to bed. But he gets insistent and strangely aggressive, and he's like, "Oh, you know, I get it. You've got a boyfriend, right? It's that, it's that flip of the switch thing where like the honey isn't working. So now we're gonna start calling her a bitch to see if that works." I don't know why men do this, but that's what that's what Mick is doing. He's basically like, all right, fine. I get it. You got a boyfriend. Right. Whatever. Blah. You know, it's like that whole guess mm-hmm. you're a bitch thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So he's pretty like hurt and disgusted. Okay. And he kind of takes off. <sighs> At this point, I wrote, man, camp sucks for Holly. I know. She's just trying to do her job. I know. She's not had much uh, like chance to do anything other than be miserable currently. Yeah. So she heads back to her cabin. And as she approaches the cabin, she sees someone dressed all in black, like creeping out the door. She doesn't see exactly who it is. But before she can make it in there, she's tapped on the shoulder and turns to find Sandy, the blonde rich kid. Like I said, everybody's in the woods. He says, you know, he goes for walks before lights out all the time, calms him down. And she tells him that she thinks that she just saw someone come out of her cabin. And Sandy does this like super sketchy thing where he's like, um, you don't think you saw me, did you? Because that wasn't me. And she's like, no. (laughs) And he tells her that... (laughs) You know, he feels bad for the way Deborah's treating her, and he knows what it's like to be the new kid. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I don't feel like talking. She says goodnight, and she basically goes and, like, face plants into her bunk, right? It's been an emotional day. She's getting comfortable. She's about to pass out until something under her pillow moves, which is enough to make her shout and jump up. It's a fucking snake. There is a snake Another under one. pillow. This one is real. Oh no. Because that's how she knew it was there. It moved. Her pillow moved. Right. And now, once again, all the girls are up and they're crying about maybe snakes being in their bunks. And Deborah gets up like, oh, <laughs> what now? And she's like, she comes over to the bunk. She picks up the snake and puts it outside. She's like, it's just a gardener snake. Everyone's crying again. Help. Help out your campers. <laughs> like, Deborah, Deborah hates Holly. <laughs> and so they all check through their beds for snakes. It's a good time. The next morning, yeah. Holly goes to talk to Uncle Bill. And he's yelling into his phone about a supplier issue and things not being delivered to the camp when they should have been. And she sits down and she tells him her theory about the camp being sabotaged again. She tells him about the red feathers and he basically kind of pats her on the head and says, you know, there's birds all over the woods. Feathers literally falling from the sky, right? She's just imagining it. Nothing crazy is going on at Camp Nightwing. And he kicks her out of her, his office again. Mm. And then we get another letter to the chief from our mysterious counselor. It asks why they haven't heard from chief in a while. And says that, you know, they're doing all kinds of mischief at camp. Just like they promised they would. It also says that they're now ready for someone at camp to die. 
the one who deserves it most. Mm. They go on to say it's a shame because she's kind of cute. So this is our first indication that the letter writer is a dude. Because like we said before, not a ton of sexual diversity in these books. Right. So we know it's it's a male counselor. When we come back to Holly, <laughs> she has now decided that it's up to her. If Uncle Bill is not going to try and find out what's going on here, then she's going to have to. She would have to be like those police detectives on TV. And the first thing that she needed was information. She was going to have to get to know the other counselors as much as possible to try to compile a list of suspects. That night, Camp Nightwing kids would be taking on the kids from Camp Starlight in a softball game. And this would be the perfect opportunity to observe some of the other counselors. So as her group sat making lanyards during the game, she watched the other counselors and made up a suspect list. Okay, we've got Deborah, Jerry, Kit, Sandy, and Mick. But she didn't get much farther okay. than the list because they didn't do much during the game. Like, they didn't really interact with anybody. It's kind of a washout. Other than just understanding these are people that possibly could have done it. Because they're the only people that she knows. This feels like shoddy detective work, Holly. Okay. Uh, after the game, they all go down to the lake for a general swim, right? They're going to all cool off after the game. And Mick comes up to Holly. And he's asking her out again. Because he saw her staring at him during the softball game. <laughs> okay, fair. She probably was. But only because she thinks you're a saboteur. <laughs> right? Which is yeah. a wonderful word that I really want in like a script on a t-shirt. Can someone make that happen? I need saboteur on a t-shirt. I bet you can find one for you somewhere. Well, Christmas is coming. He's like, so you do want to like meet up down by the lake later after night lights out. And despite his previous aggressive BS, she agrees. And that night is a night that is made for romance. And mosquitoes. Oh. <laughs> Holly likes that he looks like Kevin Bacon and she stands waiting on the dock for Mick in the moonlight while the lake shimmers and dances below and then Mick like pimp walks up looking good in like a tight t-shirt over some slim muscles and like cut off shorts <laughs> and they flirt and Mick says that, you know, he's been like a counselor for the last three summers and that he likes working at Nightwing because it's close to the farm where he lives. And at this point, a little bit of moonlight and a tight t-shirt and Holly is on board. She is 100% into Mick. She is ready to go, sort of. But she's kind of unsure because she's just had this like bad breakup with her boyfriend. So she tells Mick that she wants to get to know him better. But, like, slowly, right? And in his defense, she's sending some major mixed vibes. Mm -hmm. Like, she's saying, yes, I'll meet you at the lake. And, hey, I want to get to know you better, but slowly. And then, like, he does something really innocent, like, tries to put his arm around her. And she flips out and, like, kind of pushes him away. 
And he's like, what is your problem? Which, okay, that's kind of gross. But at the same time, she is acting like yeah. a bipolar bitch. Like, mm-hmm. in this like moment of frustration, he like grabs her waist and he's going to just like kiss her and see what happens. And she pushes him into the lake. And then she, like, kind of (laughs) sees the comedy of the situation. So she laughs at him and tries to help him up. And he's like, yeah, no thanks. And she basically, he basically tells her, like, you need to figure your shit out. Yeah. It's clear you don't know what you want. Please don't ever talk to me again, (laughs) ever. (laughs) You threw me in the lake. Goodbye. She, I mean, she did. Like, she was like, hey, I want to meet right. by the lake. And then she was vibing. And then she's like, hey, I want to go mm-hmm. slow. And it's not like he grabbed her ass. He put his arm around her. And she flips yeah, out. Yeah, that's that's pretty, that's innocent. Yeah, like, if he grabbed her butt or, like, you know, something like that, went in for a kiss even, then I'd be like, yeah, throw him in the lake. But an arm around the shoulder when you're kind of being flirty. I think the lake was a bit extreme. I agree. And so does Mick. Like, Mick is now not so much into Holly anymore. He's actually pretty pissed about it. Um. So, yeah, she's playing games with him, whether he knows it or not. And he storms off down the path, and Holly starts on the path back to the cabin. And, of course, you know, everybody's in the fucking woods at night. She runs into Jerry. So Jerry flips out saying that Holly's trying to ruin her life again by trying to take Mick away from her. But she's not going to get away with it this time. Oh, no. And then she takes off. Everybody at this camp is bonkers. Everybody is like level 15. Um, we don't know why. I don't know if bonkers. it's in the water. Yeah. yeah, maybe they're not drinking enough water or like they're drinking bad water. <laughs> I have no idea. At this point, I wrote Level Holly. Level 10 bunkers. Camp sucks. Go home. You don't need this job. Yeah. No. You really don't. The next morning, she's so distracted she really, about... She really does not. All the drama at camp. You know, I mean, who wouldn't be? She's nearly hit in the face with a baseball. Sandy comes over to see if she's all right and asks if she wants to talk about it because she clearly looks like shit. She decides she's just going to tell him everything. She like word vomits everything to Sandy. She tells him about the sabotage and about how people are acting crazy. And Sandy says that, you know, it doesn't really make sense that someone would want to mess with camp. You know, everybody there really likes working for Uncle Bill. Like he's not heard anybody complain. And then he goes on to say that Holly has been so caught up in everything that she hasn't really taken time to enjoy her surroundings. He then tells her that she's been assigned to help him and some other counselors on a wilderness overnight that he's leading soon. And what that means is that they are taking some of the advanced older campers canoeing on the White River and that they're going to tent camp overnight. And then they're going to head back to camp. He tells her that he's sure she'll be a natural at canoeing and that, you know, it'll do her some good to get away from camp proper. She agrees that might do some good. And then she heads off to the mess hall. So they are, she is on the list of counselors that they're going to do this wilderness overnight. 
On the way to the mess hall, she runs into Taya, who's arguing with John about why he didn't meet her at the lake last night. And I guess John made the excuse that he had to write some letters. So he's going to write letters to me, or to, from me. <laughs> he's writing letters, and that's why Obviously. he couldn't come make out at the lake with Taya. Right. Gotcha. So, um... Holly tells her, you know, don't take it so hard. You guys weren't really going out. Um, it's not that big of a deal. And then Taya calls Holly out for kind of like getting around with all the boys at camp. And Holly's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, she's like, well, well clearly Mick has a thing. You, We're going to meet up with him down by the lake. You know, but also I see you talking to Sandy a lot, you know, What's going on? And she's like, you know what? Nothing's going on with anybody. <laughs> and Tay is like, oh, good, because um, Sandy's next on my radar. So maybe just leave him alone. Um, <laughs> and Holly's like, she has cool. a list going. I guess that's what Tay, Tay is at camp for one reason. Okay. One reason and one reason. Holly spends much of the rest day on autopilot, and then she's headed back to her cabin from the mess hall when something really confusing happens and I'm going to put down my script and try to talk through this because when I read this, okay. I thought it was one of those cop out dream sequences. Hang on. Patches. Okay. You cannot lose your goddamn mind. Go away. <laughs> He's rolling on the carpet Aww. and like trying to bite his own butt. Go away. <laughs> you weirdo. No one likes you. Go away. That is so mean. He loves it. He's it on his back trying to get a belly rub while I'm telling him no one likes you. It hurts. It hurts my heart. Does it also hurt your heart? It's like tell him that he's fat and stupid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. Hodges, you're not fat and you're not stupid and everyone loves you. <laughs> so, yeah. So this sequence, when I read it in the book, I was like, this has to be a dream, but it's not. So she's, Holly's walking back from the mess hall and this mm -hmm. like spider drops down in front of her on the path, flips her out. Okay. And Kit is standing like off to the side of the path with like a rubber bug on like a stick with some fishing line. And she's like, kid, what the hell is your problem? I've not ever done anything to you. What are you mm -hmm. doing? And he's like, well, it's not what you've done to me, but you've done plenty to Jerry. Oh, Lord. She's like, you know what? You don't even know me. Like, that stuff's between me and Jerry. And he's like, okay, oh, yeah, sure. But then she gets grabbed from behind, like around the arms, yeah. by Mick. Okay. And then Kit and Mick start well, saying things like, we're having a party and you're invited. Don't you want to go to our party? And they drag her ew. into the woods. And I'm like, what is happening no. right now? And then they get to a clearing. Yeah. And Jerry is there. And they're all kind of laughing and jeering. And they're still kind of pinning her. And Jerry has this, like, bucket of leeches. Ugh. And... They hold her still while Jerry, like, puts this bucket of leeches, like, onto her stomach. Like, holds it up to her stomach. 
And the whole time she's like spitting garbage at her about like how she's like a nosy, horrible person and a terrible friend. And like, I'm like, they're just like bullying the shit out of her. They're like jeering her and laughing and, and everybody's in on it. And everybody's acting evil. And then Jerry throws her into the creek and pours the leeches on top of her. And Kit and Jerry and Mick are all laughing at her. And Mick even says something about like, how does it feel when you're the one that gets pushed into the water or whatever. And she's doing wow. all she can do to not break down in front of them because she doesn't want to give them the satisfaction. Right. But they are like full on mob mentality. We might kill her with bullying going on. That's insane. It's completely unmarried. It comes out of nowhere. Yeah. At some point, they say, well, you know, this is just the initiation. All the new camp counselors get tossed in the creek. Sorry, deal with it. Uh. And Mick is the one who's like, all right, she's had enough. But he doesn't go to help her. Mm -hmm. But he does kind of drag the other two away so she can, like, try to get out of this creek. Covered Did in leeches. come out of nowhere for you? Kind of. I mean, I felt like it was, I mean, we had to be building to something, but it's sort of, it's, but it's just so hardcore. Like, it's, yeah, I don't like it. Stein like did that. a really, really good job. It was almost reminiscent of um, like Stephen King, like how he's really yeah. good at like taking you into those terrifying like childhood moments mm -hmm. where there are no parents anywhere and someone might die. Yep. I'm That's glad I didn't what have it felt this like. moment. <laughs> yeah. Same. Same. And this is why I didn't go to camp. The end. <laughs> this is not why you didn't go to camp because you don't like outside. I there was the list of why I didn't go to camp was so long. I could it it needs like a scroll. It's like hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> These are the reasons why Danielle is not going to camp. <laughs> so she is. She's just really shocked. She's scared. She's feeling all the feelings. Right. It's this episode right. of like super intense bullying and I kept waiting for them to say and then she woke up, but that never happens. She runs for her cabin. She just wants to change, kind of figure out her next move, but she's also kind of embarrassed by what happens. I mean, she's been pretty much shit on since the second she got to camp. Yeah. She runs right into John, who is acting guilty as fuck. John wasn't in on what happened, but you know, he demands to know why she was spying on him. And she's like, dude, I'm just walking. <laughs> what is everyone's problem? And John threatens her. <laughs> he says something like, you know, he doesn't care that she's Bill's niece. She needs to mind her own business. And he bounces. Lord. They all just hate her because she's They all just hang out like in the woods and like are crazy. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. 
They're all on drugs. <laughs> Everyone's on drugs. That's it. That's what it is. <laughs> I mean, maybe there's like some weird mushroom they're eating out there. Like berries, right? It's got to be the berries. Berries, mushrooms. Something. We have no idea. So Holly turns around to cut through the woods and she almost runs over Sandy because everyone hangs out in the woods. And Sandy is sympathetic. He asked her a few times kind of what happened to her because he's not buying it that she told him that she fell into the creek. So he kind of knows something's up and he's, he's trying to cheer her up a little bit before he hands her the full list of all the campers and the counselors that will be going on this wilderness getaway thing. And guess which counselors are also coming on the canoe trip? Mick, Blech. Jerry, and Kit. Loser. <laughs> Great. I'm really excited to go now. I know. Holly's getting dressed for dinner and Taya shows up and asks how things are going. And Holly's like pretty fucking stupid. And she tells her all about her afternoon with the <laughs> leeches. And Taya is sympathetic. And she kind of like sticks around to help the campers get washed up for dinner. Deborah is weirdly absent at this point. She's normally there to help get them ready for dinner. But, you know, oh, well. And they all head to the mess hall. Kit is doing stupid things like being in the rafters with a gorilla mask on, throwing banana peels down to the campers below, trying very, 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 very hard to get Jerry's attention. And Holly is a little excited by the idea of like, where's Deborah? Perfect Deborah isn't here. Deborah's late. So she wants to run off and find her so she can be like, hey, buddy, you're late to dinner. She wants to get a little bit back. She's had a rough day. Oh, okay. So she tells her campers, okay, you guys stay here. I'm going to go find Deborah." So Holly checks the cabin. Deborah's not there. She goes down to the lake. Nobody's down there either. So she finally decides to check in the crafts room. And when she gets there, she opens the door and she hears this repetitive, like, splat, splat, splat. Ooh splat sound and the first thing that comes into view is this large red splatter of blood on the wall and it's growing with each of the splat sounds and then we see what used to be deborah bent over the pottery wheel her pendant must have gotten caught in the pottery wheel and strangled her and with every new pass Ew. of that pottery wheel, it was scraping a little more of her face off and sending it across the night. Nice. Why didn't they put this in the movie? Right? Oh this is a great God. kill. This is so good. Why didn't they put this in the movie? Oh my know. God. Missed opportunity Netflix. Missed oh opportunity. Goodness. It's good, Sounds right? Amazing. Holly panics and she turns to get help, but she finds John coming into the crafts room. And Holly kind of falls into his arms, and John's like, Should we get a doctor? And Holly's like, No, no, she's super dead. That's not gonna help. Oh, and by the way, why weren't you at dinner, John? <laughs> 
John just says, you know, he had some stuff to do before dinner. And wh- why are you asking me questions? Stop asking me questions. I'm going to go get Uncle Bill. Um, so <laughs> he leaves her there. He goes to get Uncle Bill. And while she's waiting for him to return, she gets a little closer to Deborah's body. And she notices that tangled in with the chain of Deborah's pendant is a little red feather. Yeah. So now feather we get a... Another mysterious letter to the chief, and this one is opened with, guess what? I've decided to take up pottery. The letter writes that he strangled Deborah, but that the local cops are sure that it was an accident. And he asks chief if he should kill another one, and to please write soon. The cops come and question Holly, and of course she tries to tell them about the little red feathers that she's finding everywhere and all the accidents that have been happening around camp. And of course they don't listen to her, completely brush her off. Jerry is telling the whole camp that Holly probably killed Deborah. Because when John found her, she was just standing there, staring down at Deborah's body. And everybody knows that Holly hated Deborah. Great. Thanks, Jerry. Great. Holly goes into Uncle Bill's office, and he's pretty stressed out about what's just happened. He says, don't worry. He has assigned Jerry to be her new senior counselor. Oh. Holly flips out. She's like, Uncle Bill? Yeah. Literally anyone but her. I would flip out, too. Bill is having none of it, right? He basically puts it all back on Holly. She's like, listen, or he's like, listen, Jerry is the best fit. I need you to check your drama and get along with people. And by the way, it seems like you have a lot of trouble getting along with most people at camp. You should really work on that. What a butt. (sighs) Right? It's like, dude, she's helping you out. She's defeated and stressed. And Holly leaves Uncle Bill's office. That night at Campfire, Kit has convinced Uncle Bill to let him run a ghost story contest. Kit is telling a stupid story about a disembodied hand and (laughs) slip, like he's like lisping around a pair of fake vampire teeth while he's holding a flashlight. Oh, good grief. Which is pretty ineffective around a campfire, but okay. But Holly is on a mission tonight. She is tired of getting kicked around. She's playing TV detective once again. She has decided Deborah was killed and she's going to find the killer. And while everyone is distracted, she's going to slip away to the boys' cabin and go through their things to try to find anything that would tie them to Deborah's death. Taya catches her sneaking out and she makes up some lie about going back to her cabin for a sweater and instead she heads to the boys cabin and starts going through their drawers she doesn't find much in Kit's stuff which is surprising aside from all of his like prank bullshit like bugs and snakes and whatnot. she does find some stationery but she doesn't know that's a clue at this point In John's stuff, she finds a little wooden box that is locked with a key. That she finds right away, of course. And just as she's about to open it, John walks in and catches her. 
she makes up some excuse about losing something and like we've established she's a shitty liar wondering if like kit found it and she was gonna see if he found it and john's like well then why are you going through my shit and she's like oh right and she kind of breaks down and tells him everything She's like, I think someone's sabotaging the camp. There's little red feathers. Like, Holly? Okay. And John looks at her like she's from another planet. And he basically is like, are you on medicine? Like, what's what's wrong with you? <laughs> like, some things, you don't just go through people's shit. Um, Holly, sorry about it. Oh, and yeah, by the way. Holly. So she gets up to leave. She's like, okay, never mind. Forget it. And then he kind of steps in her way. And he's like, don't tell anyone about this or you'll be sorry. And then she leaves. She gets around him and leaves. So it's like, okay, John, we won't tell anyone. (laughs) It's hard to be on Holly's side because she does act like a crazy bitch so much of the time. Yeah, I can't. It's like I'm on her side, but I also can't figure her shit out. Like I, I can't what either. Is her so... malfunction? I mean, they're all they're all malfunctioning, all of them. Yes, straight up and down the board. Crazy. There's not one there's not one normal person here. But and you know what's funny is that you kind of got that same vibe in the movie. Like I know the movie is not obviously page for page as the book, but no one in that story was very redeemable. No one was like, I'm rooting for that one. They're great. You know, they were all a little bit like, eh. you know, a little off, a little weird. Yeah. It all turned mm-hmm. way up. So she leaves There's that some cabin out there. and she's walking back to her own cabin, but she has to pass some of the other boys cabins to get there. And she passes a doorway of a cabin with a light on and Mick is sitting at a table writing and on the wall behind him is this like elaborate native american decoration that's just got a fuck ton of red feathers on it Mm. so now we cut back to our letter writer who is telling Chief that one of the counselors is too nosy and that they suspect something. They're going to kill her next, but they're going to wait for the canoe trip. The next morning, Uncle Bill calls an emergency meeting, saying that what happened with that because of what happened with Deborah, if anything else goes wrong, he'll have to shut down the camp. So he needs them all to work together to make sure everything's running safely and smoothly. Holly follows him back to his office and tries to convince him again that something is going on to camp. And he tells her, you know what? Just stop. Stop being a pain in the ass and just go on the damn canoe trip and help me out already. All right. He's he's run out of patience with Holly. The next day, Stein describes the most awkward canoe trip ever. Ever. No one is talking to Holly. And she is stuck in a canoe with Mick. And they are just paddling down the river in complete silence. (laughs) 
surrounded by wow. the other camper canoes and the other counselor canoes. And it's real awkward. At one point, she thought Mick was trying to say something, but he just kind of frowned at her. They kept paddling. And the rest of the day was pretty much the same. <laughs> Holly is a pariah. There's like, aside from Taya, no one likes or wants to talk to Holly, period. And they also kind of go out of their way to I, treat her. I like really shit. want to know why. I guess Jerry just turned everybody real soon because she had been a counselor at the camp the years before. So she already knew everybody. I don't know. That night, she's trying to get together a fire. And she hears some crying, like, off in the woods, like a girl crying. And she's concerned that it's a camper that could maybe be hurt somewhere out in the woods. So she follows the sound of this crying. She reaches a clearing, and she finds John, who is holding a knife. Great. Right? Cash. I like to hold knives in the woods, too, John. It's okay. <laughs> But before John can say too much, his 15-year-old camper girlfriend comes out of the bushes, and the two of them come clean. They were having some kind of fight, and she got upset. They are a thousand percent a couple. They go to the same high school. They're dating, which is, of course, against the camp rules. That's why John's been acting guilty as hell. That's why there was a little wooden box. Inside the box was a picture of his girlfriend and some letters. This explains much of John's problem. While he didn't want to be spied on, he was probably out there with his girlfriend. Yeah. She, she's like, all right, you know, I get it. Just, like, cool this shit down. Cool down this crap. And I won't report you, but we already know that she's a really crappy liar. And this explains, again... Why John's acting like a tool, John's pretty much off of the suspect list, as far as Holly's concerned. Next morning, Sandy wakes Holly up early to see if she wants to scout out some rapids on the river before everyone else gets up. Holly agrees she's excited to get out on the river with Sandy. And they're paddling and paddling, and they start to approach these rapids. And Sandy goes into this evil villain monologue about how this is his first year at Nightwing and that his little brother, who he affectionately called Chief, was here the summer before. He was killed in a canoeing accident. Deborah was the camp counselor in charge of that boating trip, and that's why he knew he had to come to camp this year and get back at everyone who was responsible for Chief's death. And in Sandy's eyes, that's basically the whole camp in general. He steers them to the rapids and then throws his paddle out. He goes on to explain that he really does like her. You know, he tried to scare her away from camp with that snake he put in her bunk, but that she mm -hmm. just had to stay and keep poking it around. And now, she has to die. They oh, no. hit the rapids, and the boat picks up speed, and it's hitting all these little rocks and getting kind of tossed around. And Sandy starts to come at her from the other side of, of the canoe, but Holly lands a blow to his head with her paddle. 
She knocks him out and he crumples into the belly of the canoe. But right after this happens, the boat hits a hard rock and it kind of sends Holly flying off into the water. And she damn near drowns. But she's a good swimmer. She makes it back to shore and she starts heading back to camp. The canoe is nowhere to be seen and Holly just assumes that the boat went down and that Sandy has drowned. Well, she did until Sandy stepped out on the path in front of her, explaining that he is a really good, quote, canoeer, which is not a thing, and that he paddled the boat back to shore, also not a thing, the river runs in a wrong direction, after seeing that she made it out onto the riverbank. He picks up a big tree branch and starts to chase her, which I know is supposed to be scary, but that just sounds funny as shit. <laughs> that is funny to me. I'm gonna get you with the stick. Uh, <laughs> she runs through the woods, right? And she sees this kind of low cave and she decides this would be a really good place to hide. I would not be crawling into any small stone hiding places, but that's her idea. She crawls into what can only be described as a nest of snakes. And before she can flip out and kind of back out of the cave, Sandy grabs her ankle from outside and starts to pull. And without thinking, Holly grabs one of the snakes from the nest and tosses it right back into Sandy's face. Sandy is caught off guard and slips and falls down the hill where he is knocked unconscious, but still breathing. This whole thing was comical to me. Like, I'm going to chase you through the woods with this big snake. And then she's like, snake in the face. <laughs> snake in the face. That, yeah, that's incredible. I love it. We, I love every. We, we learn this trick in self-defense class where you take a snake <laughs> and like throw it at people. And you throw it at Sorry, people. <laughs> Super <laughs> I can't I'm just I love it I love it so much snake in the face uh, <laughs> <laughs> just then the bushes part and Mick walks out he's trying to figure out what she's screaming about and she kind of falls into his arms and she tells him the whole thing Later, as they are all wrapped up in those, like, trauma blankets that you see on TV and sipping some broth, Holly asks Mick how he knew where they were. And Mick says he was feeling really bad about how they treated her and that he wanted to apologize. That he saw Sandy kind of beat him to it that morning. And when he saw the two of them go off together, he was feeling kind of jealous. So he decided to take a canoe and follow them. But he got lost somewhere on the river and lost sight of them. And he'd only just caught up when he heard Holly screaming. The cops find a whole bunch of those red feathers under Sandy's bed and all the letters that he wrote to his dead brother. Uncle Bill apologizes for not believing Holly. And Holly and Mick walk off down the path to the mess hall where Holly sees a snake on the path and picks it up with her bare hands to move it. No longer afraid of snakes. Mick puts his arm around her and she says that she thinks that she's going to like Camp Nightwing from now on. And that's how it is.
Wow. That was a fun one. I liked it too. I enjoyed it. I did too. I thought mm-hmm. it was kind of slow in one. places. Yeah. I don't know if the everybody acting crazy is like that Twilight Zone thing that we do to make us uneasy. Could be. But I thought it was great. I got a very camp feel from it. That we had some good kills. And aside from yeah. kind of a comical final chase scene with a snake in the face. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. That's another one I'm upset they didn't put in the movie is the snake in the face. <laughs> I wanted a snake in the face to be in the movie. Well, there was that scene where the, snake in the, the face. aquarium got broken and the snake like kind of slithered over her. Maybe that was yeah, a, like, but that's another not the same callback. As, it's not the same as snake in the face, though. It's not, not the same the as theme. snake in the face, but um, there was definitely a Mm-mm. snake theme in this one. So I now that makes a lot more sense for me in the movie that maybe that was more of a callback yeah. with that whole thing with Ziggy. Could totally, yeah, could totally be. Mm-hmm. Kind of deal. Well, I enjoyed it. That was fun. Yeah, I liked it. I liked that it a lot. Fun. So now that summer's officially dead because pumpkin spice is here. Summer's done. I don't care if it's hot where you live. I don't care if you want to go swimming. It's still fall. You can do whatever you want to do, but it's fall. So that's fine. And because it is fall, we and our lovely friends at the Haunted Heart Podcast are bringing back our wonderful Halloween special this year. As you know, last year, hopefully you listened, or you can always listen now. We did a retelling of the Halloween tree by Ray Bradbury and it was super fun and this year we're not telling you because it's a mystery and much like these children in this book we like drama so super dramatic we're gonna build up suspense we're gonna build up some suspense if you follow us on Facebook or Twitter you might even see some things come out here in the next few weeks yep and if you follow the haunted heart which you should yeah they will also be posting some hints too so whichever you follow there will be hints mysteries and illusions that's all we can say (laughs) so yes we're excited to bring that back to you again and we hope you enjoy it when it comes out oh they're gonna enjoy it trust me (laughs) yes thousand percent um so yeah so until next time we are out like all the wonderful fall candles